So we all seek to have a balanced perspective when we say I do. We want that intimacy, that uh, total honesty, that total respect, one where we don't have to be silent uh, because we know our partner will embrace us and protect all information uh, with a respect and kindness. Uh, even when we have hard conversations, we go into marriage imagining that we're going to be able to navigate these really hard conversations in a really competent, balanced way, and we're going to end up being blessed by that. And it's a beautiful thought. And I hope you hold on to that as a goal, a vision to pursue. But I will tell you, it will take some time for you to really discover what those principles are that help you achieve this. It's a trial and error process. And it might be that you just go, I don't want that. Shouldn't love be so powerful and overwhelming that we don't experience those rather painful aspects of the journey? And, I, and then I think, well, maybe that's part of God's plan for us, is to really create solid, balanced relationships. You've got to go through the hard times as long as you keep the vision out here that we're going to be united in our journey. We're not going to let anything so divide us where the relationship now doesn't have the strength of the relationship. So today we're talking about setting healthy boundaries in our marriage relationship. You may never have even thought about it, but chances are you drew some lines even before you got married. You were establishing some boundaries. You may have said things like, uh, uh, in, uh, in, in my marriage or in our marriage, we're going to be faithful servants of the kingdom. And, you know, I said, well, I didn't really have that, but yeah, that's good. You know, maybe he, he or she started attending and they go, yeah, okay, that's good. Because in the moment, it just seemed right. But faith journey is a personal journey. And it's not uncommon for one of the partners to begin questioning and doubting their faith journey and even wondering, why do I go there? I don't get it, I don't believe in it, or I don't like the preacher, or I don't like the church, or I don't like the music, or I don't like something. And now all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, I thought we decided that this was going to be something that we were going to do for all of our lives ahead. So you think you set a boundary, and everybody understands it, but then those boundaries will have to be renegotiated because you're changing as people, you're changing in the midst of a relational experience. There's a lot of uh, ideas, misconceptions about what boundaries are, what they do for you. Uh, everybody will have perhaps different boundaries. Um, <clears throat> Sometimes we do think that we don't have to set boundaries because that love should get us through those harder conversations. Like, why do we really need boundaries? What, what does that even look like? And, and who helps us identify those? So what I hope for today is you'll hear some things that will at least open up a conversation for you with your spouse to talk about what are the boundaries that are non-negotiable? Are there relational boundaries that are non-negotiable? How about personal boundaries, because there's two people who are individuals, you're coming together, and should you have the right or freedom to have some personal boundaries? I hope so, but you have to have some clarity in your own journey to be able to have a conversation about it. So I hope that's what will happen today. The, the big picture, and this is what uh, Harriet Lerner uh, reminds us of, that there is this underlying respect for personal and relational boundaries. But it is your marriage that gets to establish them. If you don't establish boundaries, you're going to probably invite a lot more chaos. Because now there's confusion about, well, 
what is our practice? Well, I just thought you would know. You ever had that experience? Why, did, why do I have to tell you? I thought you would just know. Well, you've got to be able to introduce that idea to me in order for me to know. Uh, there's a lot of those assumptions that we operate on, and I think the boundary conversation can help clarify any kind of confusion that you might have. So here are some healthy versus unhealthy boundaries. Feeling responsible for your own happiness versus feeling incomplete without your spouse. Uh, sometimes we, we like that idea of, you complete me. Who, who was it? Uh, there, was a, there you go. Thank you very much. And you think, oh, oh my goodness. Why is that such a hassle? Like, I mean, or it's such a problem. Why shouldn't we look to be completed in our relational experience? Like, my wife fills up a huge gap. She does. But she doesn't complete me because, really, God designs us as humans to be a complete person. Relationship is another journey. So when you invite two people into this marriage relationship, you're operating as two individuals trying to discover, oh, who's in charge of my happiness? Now, adopt the idea that your partner is. I promise you, you'll be in huge difficulty. Now, that doesn't mean that as partners we don't contribute to each other's happiness. I hope that I'm contributing a great deal to my wife's happiness. I know there are certain things that she likes, and I like doing them. I feel compelled to do them because that's the kind of husband I want to be. But that's coming from an internal story that says this is who I am as a husband. It's not because she has hounded me, expecting me to change until I finally give in. There's a, a difference. So if you think, okay, I'm responsible for my own happiness, and if there's something my partner does that creates some unhappiness, then we want to have a conversation. That's the invitation. Um, friendships exist outside of marriage versus relying only on your spouse for happiness. There are, I've heard and been a part of conversations in counseling, in the counseling office, where someone says, I just don't like that they have friends that they do things with. Why can't we have enough here in our home that, that satisfies all of that? Well, that's a really narrow perspective. Why? Because you're going to be working in context. You're going to have neighbors. You're going to have friends that you had before you got married. You're going to have friends from childhood that you're still going to engage and interact with. You just need to recognize that there's individuals who will have their own experiences, and now you're coming together and merging those experiences. Open and honest communication versus secrecy and manipulation. It's very common for people to say, I just... I can't have this conversation with my partner because I'm afraid how he or she might respond. So I'll just keep it to myself and just keep peace. I think, wow, that's, that's pretty scary. If you can't have a conversation with your partner about what it is that's creating some discomfort within. But imagine what happens if you don't ever have that conversation. You begin to learn more and more about what not to talk about and you think you have peace, it's only the appearance of peace because inside there's internal challenges and frustrations and disappointments, angst and anger that's beginning to grow and get energy. So it, it is common to think, well, I don't know. Better, better not say it at all. Now, there might be some things like, 
I grew up with three brothers, and sometimes we say things without thinking. <laughs> we just do that. We think, oh, you don't even process. Sometimes I've held back, I think this is a, a Christian discipline, to make certain that whatever words come out of my mouth are helpful versus hurtful. So there are things that I thought about that I might feel in the moment, but I've decided not to say it because it's only going to be painful for all of us. That's different from choosing not to engage in open, honest conversations. Respecting the differences in your partner versus trying to change them in anger and disappointment. I will tell you, every couple that I've ever met, and I'm sure there might be exceptions out there, but every couple seeks to modify the behavior of their partner early on. It's just what they do. I wish you would. I like it when. Why can't you do this? So-and-so's husband does this. So-and-so's wife does. I wish you would do what she... You plant those little seeds even in kindness and sweetness, but it's all about modifying behavior. Now, you are trying to figure out how do we be married? How, what does that even look like as two people who haven't been? Or even those of you that may have been previously and are remarried, you still have to navigate that journey. And you think, wow, how do you live together without trying to modify the other one's behavior? Well, that's where open conversation comes in. It's all right to talk about wants and perspectives, but if you do it from the internal angle versus the finger-pointing angle, you'll get further on that journey. It's just very common for us to just say, I don't like it when you, if you don't stop this, or you better change that, or you better quit that, or you need to start doing this, and it, it comes out of a, a voice of anger, a voice of disappointment. Rarely does that have a positive um, opportunity to change. <clears throat> I think I mentioned it several weeks ago, <coughs> excuse me, that I've never seen anybody in action after hearing multiple accusations, have a light bulb experience and go, wow, thank you for pointing out all my flaws. I never realized I was so bad off. From this day forward, I'm going to change and be a different person. It just doesn't happen that way. If anything, here's where those four poisonous patterns begin to emerge. The criticism, the contempt, the um, defensiveness, and the stonewalling. Asking honestly, <coughs> excuse me, what is wanted versus feeling fearful when asking? The more fear has an opportunity to enter in, the more likely you're going to avoid having those honest conversations. Accepting endings versus an inability to let go. There are things where you do let go uh, in marriage. There are some things that may have felt more important early on. Uh, but there, there are some things within uh, marriage that you just kind of embrace an ending of a topic. Um, I can't think of one offhand and didn't in advance, but uh, maybe it'll, it'll surface. <clears throat> Establishing healthy boundaries allows your marriage relationship to find that comfortable, respectful place. But where does it start? It starts from you being responsible for your own positive self journey. Like, every one of us is on a path to discover a strong sense of self. Like, what are my values? What do I believe about this? How do I feel about this? That's that internal work. 
if you get lost in the relationship without having a clear sense of self, your relationship is just going to keep experiencing lots of chaos. Because the best way to move forward is when both of you are pursuing a stronger sense of self. You have clarity about who you are, who God is calling you to be. You can have those conversations in less painful ways. And so that's something you hear a lot in the conversation about setting boundaries. It's all about self-care. It's all about self-image. It's all about uh, developing a stronger sense of who you are, having clarity about who you are. So don't, don't lose sight of that when you have a conversation about setting boundaries. When you're clear with your partner about who you are, what you want, your beliefs, your values, your limits, well, think about that kind of a conversation when you come together and you're both experiencing those things. And that's when you start seeing your relationship bloom in ways that you both had desired. Establishing, well, I said this earlier, establishing healthy boundaries allows both partners to feel comfortable and to support that positive self-image. So a good place to start in establishing healthy boundaries is who, who gets to hear about your struggles? I think so often we take our hurtful experiences within marriage and we go outside. We might go outside with a we might share it with our spouse, but more likely we're going to share it with our coworker, or we're going to share it with a friend, or we're going to share it with our parents, or we're going to share it with maybe our children, uh, maybe our neighbors or church members, and maybe a minister or a therapist. You're going to have struggles. There, there's the temptation to address the marital issue outside of the marital issue. Now, I'm not saying you don't need friends to kind of walk alongside you, but I, I think it's important that you ask, who gets to hear my story about my frustrations? So I'm kind of curious. When you think about these people, ask yourself this question. What are the benefits of going outside when you're struggling within your marriage? Because this is a boundary. But when you're struggling in your relationship, what are the benefits of going to uh, any one of these people? And then also be thinking about what are the potential problems by going to one of these folks? What do you think? Benefits and problems. Let's, let's leave, I should have put spouse at the very bottom. Let's think about coworker. You work in an office setting. It's easy to share life's journey. You begin telling them, oh, my partner is this or this or this. Oh, I know what you mean. So frustrating. That's why I left mine. Um, <laughs> but you think about the who that's hearing your frustrations. It might feel good though, right? It feels good to kind of unload your burden of hurt, disappointment, anxiety, frustration with someone that may be neutral. But here's the deal. Rarely are they neutral. Your coworker, your parent, your neighbor, if you have a good relationship with them, a church member that you've reached out to, 
they're going to probably lean into your experience because you're the frustrated one and it's so difficult. <laughs> and they're going to go, oh my goodness, that's so hard. And they might be thinking, how can you stay with that person? Or what, you need to go to therapy. Or you come up with all kinds of ways because it's overwhelming. And, and sometimes it can feel good, but it may not necessarily be helpful. Can you think of some other benefits by going... Let's just think of the benefits. Tracy? If it's a good friend, um, one, it'll be normalizing. It'll, uh, they might give you wise counsel. And um, I feel like there are some other things I was thinking. Perspective. Hmm? Yeah. A different perspective than what's your thing. Yes, sometimes a friend will challenge you or a coworker will challenge you. Accountability, too. Accountability? Yes? I think it can help diffuse that additional anger. Yes. Because they're listening. Usually a friend or a coworker is going to listen. Sometimes a parent might, um, because they love you. A neighbor might. So, so they're paying attention. They might give you a different perspective. They might challenge you in a, in a loving, gracious way. They might hold you accountable. Um, anything else? Share their experience. They can share their experience. Well, I've been there. But here's something that I found helpful. See, that kind of an experience can truly be of benefit. So I'm not suggesting that you don't go outside of your marriage. Because you might need to ask your friend or coworker, here's where I am. I'm not in a very good place right now. But, but you've always shown that you care and spend some energy with me. I appreciate that. And it can feel good in the moment. What are some uh, disadvantages of, what are some problems that might be with these folks? It could affect their relationship with your spouse, particularly with parents or children. Exactly. Could make Thanksgiving a little <laughs> bit awkward if you've confided in them about what a jerk your husband is. And now he's going to be sitting across the table from you and your grandchildren are in his care and you don't like anything about him. I've had clients where that was an issue because one of the people have shared so much with their parents that it just really began to sway their thoughts about that person, and they didn't like them. And sometimes then they have battle. Um, what else? Bad advice. You can give some bad advice, yeah. Some, uh, I had a client... Uh, few months ago that she had uh, been meeting with several friends and uh, she was just sharing with them about kind of her own journey and three of the four friends said like when are you going to get with it and leave the guy and and she sat in my office and said my heart is just not in separating right now I, I think there's a way but that's their message that's their encouragement that's their advice and she said, and what's really strange is they're all Christians. So here she was like in turmoil. And of course, in therapy, our responsibility is not to give an opinion on one side or the other. Our responsibility is to help a client process what's their best step going forward. We help them navigate and, and figure out uh, with all the different perspectives which one is going to be most in alignment with their value system and most in alignment with what their hope and, hopes and dreams are. 
So, yeah, it can create some difficulties. Neighbors, that could really be awkward. Uh, especially because, let's say it's uh, two guys, and sometimes locker rooms are horrible uh, ways for guys, you know, who just finished playing racquetball or basketball, and they're, you know, getting ready to go off to work, and they're just bad-mouthing their spouses, and it's just like, I, I, it just hurts me to hear. It, like, it feels good, and everybody laughs, and, you know, it's all kind of a joke, and it's painful because they haven't learned who, who really should hear about that. As couples, if we seek to love, honor, respect, and cherish our partner, then when we're away, we want to do what we can to honor that person, even if we're having a hard time with them. We still have to ask ourselves, how do I honor them, even though I need some different perspectives? Well, if you don't have a very strong sense of self, chances are that will not be a question that you ask. You'll just blurt it out because you don't have a strong sense of self. You think your partner should be more determined to give effort and energy to change. One of the things that um, I notice often uh, when I get a call from a parent, usually of an adolescent, and they say, um, my teenager is really acting up. They're no longer listening. They're very disrespectful. They, they just talk with belligerence. Uh, Dad travels a lot. It's just horrible. And when he comes home, he gives one perspective, and here I am trying to hold the fort down, and it's just like, oh, you've got to fix our kid. So I naturally invite the parents in. And I say, I'd like to reserve um, inviting your child in until we have a conversation. And what I find out very quickly is their boundaries are so confused and mixed up they're disagreeing in the presence of their children. Their children are using that disagreement to pursue their own interests and desires. And what you've got is a chaotic family environment. It's so important that parents establish a relational boundary of, it's all right for us to, to disagree respectfully in the presence of our children, but, but let's not make a final decision if we haven't come to it ourselves. There's a concept out there about being one voice with your children. Hold on to that. It's important that the mom and dad in a home environment have a one voice approach, even in disagreement. I, I actually like it when parents disagree in the presence of their children and do it with respect because it teaches children that it's okay to have different views and perspectives. It's okay to have an argument, if you will. Just do it respectfully. You don't have to have name-calling and criticism and defensiveness. You can actually have good, healthy conversations. It's when it becomes more personal. Someone says something and the other one turns to the kid and rolls his eyes or her eyes. Wow. Talk about showing contempt. What's the kid going to do? Yeah, she's crazy, right, Dad? So now they have this little connection here. Mom, mom is kind of uh, being undermined while dad and, and kid, you know, can join forces against. So valuable to establish a marital boundary with the children so that you present. And there have been times Nadine and I, we had different ideas. Our kid was making a pretty good argument for why she thought she should do something, and one of us said, no, no, I don't think so, and the other one said, maybe we should consider that. 
And so I say, well, that's a good point. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to talk about this and we'll get back with you. It's just so fundamentally important that you, even in your disagreement, communicate, we'll get back to you. Why? Because one voice is fundamentally important to help your children navigate the world of boundaries. So do that. Go off in your bedroom or wait till the kids are in bed. Have your conversation and find a way to agree on something. Even if you have to tweak your own strong views, find a way that your voice can communicate something where both of you will support it. And that's a boundary that will go for a long ways in, uh, in your marriage. So just to touch on some of those things, it's okay to disagree with your spouse, but avoid undermining the marriage by minimizing your partner's view when you are with your children. Practice a one-voice response. Either parent supports the other. Even when you disagree, find an agreeable position to present. When you disagree, be respectful. When you can't come to a solution in their presence, take a break. Go to your room. Find a one-voice response. Again, something you both can live with. Avoid criticizing your partner, displaying contempt for your spouse, being a defensive and stone or being defensive and stonewalling each other in your children's presence. Rather, uh, because that will model the hurtful kinds of behaviors you're wanting to avoid. And then remember, relationship first. The marriage must be elevated above the personal ones when you are in your child's presence. We kind of emphasized that last week. Relationship first above your own personal. Why? Because you're a team and you've got to support the team aspect. So <clears throat> let's think for a moment. Those are uh, a few boundaries we've talked about. What are other boundaries that you think are important to establish as a husband and wife? Could be big, could be small, but what are some boundaries that you think are critical? How about uh, with a remarriage and there are children from one marriage uh, and not from the other partner? <laughs> What boundary might be good in that context? I'll tell you. The, I'll, uh, you don't mind if I speak uh, just for a moment. Uh, when a mom has children and the dad doesn't have children, or even if he does but they don't live with him, it's always best that the parent of the children is the primary disciplinarian and that the new partner is the support person. Now, that can also depend upon age. The younger they are, the less important it is. If they're two, three, and four-year-olds, then the new partner is probably going to have a lot more influence because the children are at a young age. If the children are middle school, early to middle-late adolescents, then it's better that the mom retain her primary disciplinary experience. Now, that doesn't mean that the two can't still be one voice. It's just easier on the new partner because the new partner can simply support your, mo your mother. And I have talked about this, and this is what we decided, and we trust that you'll follow through. It it's easier to be one voice that way. It's just harder when you have the, the parent who hasn't developed a long-term relationship with the children to be the primary disciplinarian. You're going to create some real animosity there. What are some other 
boundaries that you've found or that you think might be important to establish in marriage? Work boundaries. Work boundaries, yeah. Uh, would that be like... Um, <clears throat> Coming home late, leaving early, working on weekends, bringing work home, uh, always elevating work above family. That's a boundary that's going to be a part of our lives. And, and being able to talk about that because if you are feeling the pressure from work, the likelihood is that you're going to blame the boss, your supervisor, the responsibilities that you've signed on for as the primary focus. Like, well, I can't help it. I've got all this work to do. I need to work late. Well, can't you at least take a break and work after the kids are in bed? No, I need my sleep. Well, it's a boundary that has to be established. I've actually known people who left one job pursuing another because the job was such an interference in the family and in the marriage experience. Now, that takes a lot of of great faith and confidence that you're going to find something similar or better uh, that allows your lifestyle to stay consistent. But it's just determining what do we elevate here as far as boundary setting? Does there need to be some? Uh, I loved the old answering machine when those, those first came out. Many of you won't even know what those are. Uh, <laughs> but I, I loved having a quiet meal at the end of the day. And uh, I, I do know that my mom didn't like answering machines because for some reason she felt like you had to answer the phone as soon as it rang. I go, no, mom, that's what, that's what answering machines are for. You can get it later. Now we have voicemail, and it, it's easy. No, nobody really gets heartache um, about that these days. But it, it's important to establish a boundary saying, right now this mealtime is the most important event of my day because I'm with all my family. I'm with my spouse. And, and I have a great meal that I'm sitting down to enjoy. You elevate that, it, it begins to take on a different experience within your home. But if you say, I'm just going to have to eat, I've got to go back to the office. It's just like, wow, where, where are you establishing those uh, healthy boundaries? What else might be another challenge? Technologies, you start sort of reference that, um, like playing with your phone, but then I've also had clients where a husband spends you know, several hours a day playing video games, <clears throat> different things like that. Yes. It's probably one of the more challenging boundaries that couples and families need to identify. And if you've got adolescents, I wish you well. Uh, it's very challenging because that's their world. Social media is their world. Now, you may be more a part of that than me. I, I just... I have a Facebook page, I look at it occasionally. Um, I have a Twitter account, I look at it occasionally, once or twice a year. I, I just, uh, you know, my kids have Instagram and, and somehow I get to see pictures of my grandkids. So that's fun. I just, I know I don't work social media like the social media experts would say you need to work it. But I'll tell you, families really need to have conversations about that. It's establishing as mom and dad, first, one voice with your children, you can establish some really good things to help your family. So what are boundaries? Well, they're basically guidelines or rules or limits to help identify what are reasonable, safe, and permissible ways for each partner to behave around each other. <clears throat> boundaries are like property lines 
You will have personal boundaries and relational boundaries. It'll be helpful to understand and be clear on what those boundaries are. When you build a fence around your yard, you do not build it to figure out the boundaries of your neighbor's yard so that you can dictate to him how he or she is to behave. You build it around your own yard so that you can maintain control of what happens in your own property. There's that message again. It starts with self, having clarity about your own property lines. And then what does that look like as two people come together? It's almost like uh, you can imagine two circles and you're going to merge, and there's going to be a lot of connection in your marital circle. But it still has the opportunity for individual processes and boundaries to occur. And what does that look like? It could be something about um, uh, touch, you see. What, what, what does that look like? Well, I don't want you to be touching me when I'm at the stove and I've got three children yanking on my leg. I, I just, I need to focus. Well, that's a boundary. You want to have a conversation about that. If you go, I can't concentrate. Well, I'm you know, fine, you can feel that way. And I'm glad you want to touch me and I do want to be touched. It's just this moment is not... And I've never been a mom again, standing at a stove with three little ones yanking at my legs. So I, I don't know what that's like, but I remember Nadine kind of saying, Mike, there's a better time for this. This just isn't the best time. So establishing boundaries. Well, what are those best times? Have some clarity about it. Discuss that. Make sure you set your own private boundaries. Have conversations about them so that both can understand what it is you're establishing and then you'll find yourself being more apt to go forward. There's a great book out there. If you want to read more about boundaries, um, these are the boundary people. Uh, doctors uh, Henry Cloud and John Townsend, they've written a host of materials. But they have one called Boundaries in Marriage, Understanding the Choices that Make or Break Loving Relationships. Uh, a great, great book. I've got a few things I'm just going to take from their book. Uh, we're getting close to being out of time, but uh, imagine this scenario. Husband and wife are in a session with a therapist. She says that he's always angry with her and makes mean comments. When the therapist asks her husband why he's constantly mad, he replies that it's because his wife tries to control him. According to his wife, she tries to exert control because her husband doesn't give her any time or attention. He says that's because she's always nagging him. She says she nags because he won't do anything she wants. Uh, it's a, a common scenario. Uh, it's this, this kind of recursive process where who, who started? There's not really a beginning and an end. It's just that both are contributing. And if you're not careful about it, not, if you're not determined to interrupt that cycle, it just will go and go and go until those four poisonous patterns take over. This is uh, a, a reminder about the importance of taking ownership about your own perspective. Like the spouse, the wife in this case, needs to recognize that She's not in control of her husband. And the husband needs to recognize that he's not in control of his wife's nagging. When they both step aside and go, this is about me. How can I communicate this? Well, this is where you need to have clarity in conversation. And a therapist can help you navigate that. Um, if... Uh, <clears throat> uh, I'm going to move on here. Boundaries are the foundation of healthy relationships in marriages, families, and extended families. 
They give partners the opportunity to grow as individuals, as a couple, and as parents. Children learn important boundaries by observing their parents in action and by practicing healthy boundaries in their home and with their friends. It's a great opportunity to really level out the interactions in your family experience. And I would say more than anything else in couples therapy, couples have not figured out how to establish the healthy boundaries because they've crossed over into each other's. They're not staying in their lane. And that, that may be the most important concept in boundary setting. What is your lane? What are you going to focus on? What are you good at? How are you going to communicate that? When both are doing that, you're staying in your lane and you don't bump into each other so often. But the more you cross over into the other's lane, the more clashes and more crashes, more bumps and more bruises you'll have because you're trying to give direction to the other person. So that's really the, the primary value of thinking about boundaries, uh, both as husband and wife and as children. Uh, I really uh, probably kept a lot of stuff out. I had more material than I have for the time. So in our last couple of minutes, is there anything you'd like to say, maybe to challenge anything I said or to contribute to anything I said or to raise a question for clarity about anything I said? About boundaries, relationally, maritally, or parentally? Um, something I've dealt with in therapy is uh, the parents of one of the spouses uh, wanting more uh, opportunity to regulate the life of the couple. For example, uh, I had a um, client that said, uh, since we've been married three years ago, we have one child, my mother has insisted that we come over for lunch every Sunday afternoon. Every Sunday afternoon. I've told her, we've got too much to go on. Well, we're not going to stand for that. This is a tradition in our family, and you're just going to be there while your sister's going to be there. And your and there's such a heaviness. They go, so that's all we do. We just give in and we go, but I'll tell you what, my husband is just growing in resentment and has told me time and time again, we've got to put our foot down, you've got to draw a line here, we're just not going to do it. Now, please know, if you have that tradition and love it, enjoy it. Uh, it doesn't have to be a problem. It just, in this case, it was problematic because the husband and wife were beginning to grow this way apart because they didn't have the same idea, although they were close, but they didn't really know how to navigate that when that parent was so strong in maintaining a tradition. So it's good to establish new traditions. When you have uh, Christmas traditions on both sides, Take a little bit from both. Draw a clear boundary. This is going to be our new Christmas tradition, Mom, Dad. Well, I can't believe that. Your sister and brother have always, oh, that's so nice. We're going we're gonna to miss being with you, but this is our tradition, and we're going to come over afterwards. Now, it's just important. Will it create some tension? Yeah. But tension isn't bad. It just helps develop better people. Why? Because you're getting clearer on what's important to you in establishing a boundary in your marriage. Yes, sir. One illustration I sometimes use with couples is I'll, I'll draw two separate things. I have a husband and wife and draw a circle 
around the two of them, and then a husband and wife with a line in between, and just talk about how um, the more there's a boundary here, the less there's a boundary in between, and vice versa. It's just kind of an inverse relationship. And so if you want to create more intimacy and connection in the marriage, then have a strong protection around it. Yeah, that's good. Good. We're about out of time. Any questions, thoughts, comments? Have you ever heard about a boundary issue that just kind of blew you away? Like you just, wow, how do they navigate that? All right, think about it. Let me know how it goes. I'd love to hear if you have uh, some things that you've learned from this. Let me close with prayer. Holy Father, thank you for uh, today. You've established some uh, clear boundaries with us for who you are, and you've asked us, you've invited us into that journey to know who we are as you've designed us and created us to become as uh, people and even more importantly in marriage as uh, we're determined to have the kind of marriage that will bring glory and honor to you. Bless these couples. In Jesus I pray. Amen.